0: I don't to say a word unless he, honestly, knows something. I it probably it's. won't know. Don't underestimate yourself. Do you know what a knipple is? A knipple? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what some knipples nipple. A knipple? Well, it has several definitions. Button, knot, hymen, well, yeah. virginity, money tied in a knot in the corner of a handkerchief. That is a lot of meanings yeah, is. for the same I feel like it's probably hymen. you are talking about knipple. No, Hymen's not up here. I know it's not. Maybe in this case it's a hymen. Oh,
1: this could be like a button, though.
0: <laughs> this could be... <laughs> Yeah, it's a booby button. The boobie
1: button. Hey, yum's the
0: word, haven't you heard Yum's the word It was started by a bird My name is Robin And her hair has lots of curls Actually, I blow it out a lot Two stories Some awkward Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend Pretty funny and absurd Like your boss tickling your side boob So welcome all you nerds And cool people too This is for everyone eh, Except kids Yum's the word Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard Auntie and me doing a little Yiddish quiz in honor of, you guessed it, Passover. Happy Pesach, my fellow hebes. Alex, have you ever been to a Passover Seder? Uh, I have not, no. Do you want to go to Auntie's? You invite me every year. Yeah, maybe this year is the year where you should come. I know, I've
2: always wanted to.
0: Well, it's tricky because it's on a Monday. I know. Mm. All right, we'll have to do it next year. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Next year in Jerusalem. Um, so that clip that we heard at the beginning of the show, you were there for that. You helped record the audio for that, and that was the first time you ever met Auntie. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, absolutely. What were your first impressions of Auntie?
2: Um, well, I'd seen some material before, so I kind of knew what I what mm. to expect, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was everything I could have hoped for.
0: Oh, good. Oh, good. Did she give you a scotch? I feel like she yes, was like absolutely. <laughs> like
2: I said, everything I could have
0: hoped for. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys got along so well. By the way, my parents say hello. I
2: tell them I
0: say hello. I will. Shalom. Shalom. So, since Auntie and I talked about a knipple, a hymen, and a booby button, today's episode is all about the oldest profession, natch. Or is it snatch? Am I right, Alex? hey First up is Julie Polk. Julie is a Moth Story Slam winner. She teaches storytelling with the moth, and she's the host of Story Social, an open mic which falls on the second Sunday of every month at QED in Astoria. This is her story about the undercover job she fell into when she was in her 20s.
3: I was 24 years old and I had never rebelled. But I had always really kind of wanted to, I had just never really worked up the nerve. And so when my friend Susan called from New York City to tell me about this exciting new job that she had working as a booker for an escort service, everything in me was like, oh my God, that's perfect. That is exactly the amount of rebellion I can handle. I want to do that. And I had no idea how to go about doing that. But I was an industrious good girl, so I grabbed the Philadelphia City paper, which is where I was living at the time, and I started flipping through the adult ads in the back, and I just started cold calling escort services, saying, hi, do you need anybody to answer the phone? (laughs) Because this is how good girls get things done. And the second escort service I called, which was, I kid you not, called Caesars Escorts, they were like, yeah, as a matter of fact, we do. Come on down. And that's how I got my dream job. So um, as Caesars was run out of a, a this dingy little apartment in downtown Philadelphia by a father-son team named Lou and Bruce. And the apartment was dingy, but the area of town was very nice. And in fact, it was right next to this big, brand-new, beautiful hotel. You know, this apartment's a dump. So I get there my first day, and Bruce, who's like... I don't know, mid 40s maybe. He's got this big florid face with this beard. He's wearing pinky rings on both fingers, and he goes, "Okay, so here's how this works." And he hands me a, a box of three by five cards with the girls' names on them. And he says, "The girls want to work. They call in. You pull your card. You put it on the desk. Guy calls in. He wants to see somebody. You look who you got. You make the match. 175 dollars an hour. Girl gets 100. You get, we get 75. You get 10 out of that." You write it all down on this little list right here. You come in the next night, you get your envelope of cash. Clear so far? And he looks at Lou, who has this shock of bright white hair and is wearing a medallion the size of a business card that has a l'chaim in the middle of it and his hair (laughs) open to his chest. And Lou just winks at me. And I am charmed. I am so excited about this job. And Bruce goes... A couple more things, they're very important. Number one, you never say sex. Anybody says it to you, you act all offended like you don't know what they're talking about, you get off the phone. Number two, somebody calls. They want to know exactly what the girl's going to do with them. They want to pay you in cash. They're calling you from a hotel. That is a cop. You get off the phone. That is a cop. That usually happens on Thursdays. So I'm learning all kinds of new things <laughs> and I'm so excited. I'm amazed because I am a good girl and now dodging vice cops is my job. I am so excited about this. And it was a fascinating place to work. I, the cards that had the girls' information on them, their names, had all kinds of other information. So it had their real names and then their their um, working names in parentheses and if they used them, which they didn't always do, which was one of the first things that surprised me. One of the other things that surprised me was I, I, I went in there with all these preconceived notions, and I expected that their working names would be things like, you, you know, like what I had been taught to believe were hooker names, like Roxy and Luscious and Chandelier. and But they were like Melissa, Monica, and I was like... I was in third grade with girls named Melissa and Monica, so my horizons are being expanded. It's really great. And on the back of the cards were um, uh, the girls' height, weight, eye color, hair color, and then any adjectives or modifiers that Lou and Bruce thought were relevant, like, real pretty, and great rack. (laughs) And there was also a list of things that the girls would not do. And more often than not, this was just a list of names. (laughs) So... I'm having this, like, amazing time, and I'm learning all of these new things, and I'm feeling kind of rebellious, but not too rebellious. I can handle it. And I actually got a phone call one night from a guy who kept on asking what the girl was gonna do with him, wanted to pay in cash, and when I asked where he was calling from, he said, the hotel next door. And I was like, vice cop! Bam! I win! So it was awesome, and then a couple months in, I get a call from this girl named Denise, who I haven't talked to before, and uh, and she goes, "Hi, so you you're the new girl, huh?" And I go, "Yeah," and I, and I pull her card and I turn it over, and it says, "Gorgeous, but bitch," and she says, "So did you hear what happened to the guy who used to answer the phones who worked here before you?" And I was like, "No." And she said, yeah, he started working, and I stopped getting calls, and I know my regulars didn't suddenly stop asking for me, so I know he was playing favorites. So I had a couple of guys meet him coming out of the building one night, they put him in the hospital, I heard they broke his jaw, good, I hope that motherfucker starves to death. So, look, just don't play favorites, do you know what I'm saying? And I was like... yes. (laughs) Yes, Denise, I know exactly what you are saying to me right now. And I took a cab home that night, and I took a cab home every night after that, because I was a little afraid. And then I came in one day, and and this guy, I I think it was a guy I actually don't know, but somebody started calling who just got obsessed with my voice, and I would pick up the phone, and I would just hear... And it was so gross, and I was like, and I'm trapped in this apartment with this creep, but I can't do anything about it. I couldn't not answer the phone. I had one job, and that was to answer the phone. So it was just really creepy, and the apartment was really dingy, and, and and you know, I, I wasn't making as much money as I had thought I was going to, and that was getting eaten away because I was taking all these cabs because I never knew if I was keeping Denise happy enough, and and next door to me there was a hotel full of vice cops who were all trying to bust me, and if they did, I could be charged with a felony, and I was like, I have no idea how to get myself out of this thing, And, and I walk in one day, and Bruce is still there, which is weird, because he was usually gone by the time I got there, and he's just looking at me, and he goes... I got this call today, this weird call from, from this lady who said her name was Tracy and she wanted to work here and, and it sounded kind of wrong to me, so I started asking her, like, has she ever done this kind of work before? And, and she knows that, like, I gotta see her, and she knows what we do, and she gotta come down, so I could take a look, she's, and she says, yeah, she's never done that kind of work before, but she's 20, and a cheerleader, she's got a great body, and she really needs the money, and then she freaks out, and she says, she's your mom. And I'm just staring at Bruce like, what? (laughs) Because a couple of days earlier, I had finally broken down and told my mom where I was working. And I expected that she would freak out, which she did. We had a gigantic fight. I did not expect that she would call my boss, Posing as a 20 year old wannabe prostitute cheerleader named Tracy to do, I don't even, do you have a plan when you do that? I thought he was like, Are you starring in your very own episode of To Catch a Predator? I have no idea what she was thinking. And I'm just staring at Bruce, like, What? And he's looking at me with this pained expression. And he goes, I just gotta know, is she gonna do that? Because I, I got a business to run and I can't be running this business if I got your mom calling and just yelling at me all the time so is this going to happen? And I just look at him and I say no Bruce I can promise you that that is never going to happen again and that night I took a cab home and the next day I quit. Thank you. <laughs>
0: that was Julie Polk. You can find Julie on Twitter at Hoolie P. that's H-O-O-L-I-E, and the letter P. Okay, next up is more of my Yiddish lesson with Auntie, including why she won't eat one of the most popular and delicious Jewish delicacies ever again. All right, do you know what a knish is? Yeah, knish is like, yeah, the dough, meat in the dough. Mm-hmm. It's like um, a crepe plaque. A what? A crepe Criplac is a
1: meat filled thing that's in soup often. A kanish is something that's very oily and very greasy, and they sell them in the delis. And it's uh, potatoes or meat.
0: I'm mm-hmm. not crazy about that. No. Okay, so they have two words here kanish, and there's a taboo version of that. Have you heard of that? Kanish means vagina.
1: I'm never eating a kanish again. <laughs> no wonder I don't like them.
0: Go to the crowds, kosher market in West Hartford. So oily.
1: I will never look at those again. Never.
0: (laughs) Shtick. Oh, auntie. I mentioned that meaning to a woman I work with, and she said she's going to start calling her vagina a Kanish. And I thought, hey, you know, maybe it'll catch on. Now, I don't have a name for mine, but I do like to call my boobs Laverne and Shirley. Or when I gain weight... My boobs can stick out a little bit under my underwear, so I call it my peek a Feel free to use it. <laughs> All right, next up is John Flynn. John is a comedian, storyteller, and host of the long-running storytelling open mic series, Oh Hey Guys!, which originated here in New York and is now in L.A. Monday nights at 7 at UCB. This is his tale of the crazy lengths he went to when he was completely broke.
2: Hey guys, Um, so uh, the story I'm going to tell happened uh, many, many years ago uh, when I was uh, was very broke at the time, um, which I'm telling you uh, also because I was so broke uh, for a long time I didn't have a lot of money, so I was 40 pounds lighter than I am now, which is sort of an important (laughs) part of the story because otherwise you'd be like, I don't think this happened, Uh, chubby. Um, So what it was, so as I said, it was many years ago, I was very poor, I was very skinny, and I was at a party, and I was talking to this guy that I sort of knew. Uh, his name is Damien, and I know he, he uh, I worked for him a couple times, because he used to like book private parties, like catering stuff, and he also did a lot of, he's one of those guys who like, always has some sort of weird job going on, and always seems to know someone who needs a thing, and looking for someone who can do a thing. So we were talking, and I was uh, drunk, and I was sort of going on about how poor and broke I was. And he goes, uh, and he sort of looks me up and down, and he goes, do you really need money? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, because uh, you know, I book. He said well, have you ever considered hustling? He said, uh, because you know, I uh, I I book those kind of gigs, and uh, I get a request for a lot of redheads, and uh, you probably do very well. And uh, I didn't say no. Uh, and he went on. He said, in fact, I have a job tomorrow night uh, in Queens, and that's where I live. And uh, So he's like, would you like to do it? And somehow, uh, the word sure just sort of pointed out of my
1: mouth.
2: And he was like, great. So he goes to his bag, and he, like, writes down the address of some place. He goes, show up this place tomorrow at 7. He says, you don't have to stay past 9. Um... You no, know, he just sort of tells me the guy's name and uh, and then he goes, Oh well, one more thing I need to give you and he goes to his bag and he gets one of those old credit card machines that you like have to run back and forth <laughs> and he goes, Take this, you're gonna need this. And I was like, Wow, this this really is the oldest profession. <laughs> And in that moment, I sort of had that like come to where I was like, oh, wait, this is, this is a terrible
3: idea. Uh, this is my life, what am I doing? Uh, and
2: I was like, uh, like, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this guy's like, he's not into like weird stuff, or nothing crazy is gonna happen. And then he's like, no, 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 you're gonna be fine. He goes, this guy's pretty tame, and he goes, you know, things get really weird, you can meet if you want. Uh, he won't be able to stop you. He's in his 60s.
1: And I was like, I guess I should
2: have seen that coming. Um, so I go home and I wake up the next morning and I'm like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> so uh, I uh, I immediately uh, got high and uh, then I went to the gym because so it's like, "Well, I'm going to work." And, okay. <laughs> and then uh, and then I got home from the gym and I spent sort of like the afternoon like listening to Tina Turner's Greatest Hits and like trying to figure out like what to wear. Like, I didn't have anything to wear, necessarily, for this. And I was like, well, someone's into a redhead. Maybe they want some, like, all-American boy things. Or, like, jeans and a rugby shirt. I was still, like, practicing dancing around in my living room to private dancer.
1: It was a dark time. Um,
2: and so, finally, like, the time comes. I go to this guy's apartment. He lives in the basement apartment. And, like, as I'm walking down the stairs, he opens the door. And uh, it was, you know, a guy. He's probably about this tall. Uh, he was somewhere in his sixties. He was wearing uh, khaki shorts and a white beater, and uh, he was bald. He had a little, like horseshoe of white hair just around his head. And uh, he's said, "Come on in." And uh, so I go into his uh, his living room, and I, uh, you know, I take out the credit card machine, show me his credit card, I run it, do all that stuff, and, and then I put that away. And then he immediately just starts like stroking my hair, and he goes, "You have such beautiful red hair." Thank you. He goes. I'm so glad they sent a real redhead over this time. <laughs> like, Did they sent over the wig last time. Like, so then uh, he's like, "Let's go into the bedroom." So I was like, "Okay." So as I said, we lived in the basement. So like the ceiling was very low. And we go into his bedroom, and it was uh, it was a very tiny room, and it was mostly just the bed. You know, just a large bed with like a little, a little alleyway to walk around it. And uh, on his dresser, he's got a little boombox and. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, the Ella Fitzgerald's greatest hits was playing, so as we walked in, I was just like, oh, is this Ella Fitzgerald? And he just turns to me and, like, clutches heart. and goes, you know who Ella Fitzgerald is? And I go, yeah, and he just sort of, like, smiles and, like, sits down, and I'm like, ugh, oh, great. Now he's falling in love with me. And <laughs> so then, like, he's sitting there, and he's just sort of looking at me like, Go ahead. And I was like, okay, I guess this is where I start dancing. Um, so I started like to, to Elvis here Old summertime. I just started like doing this slow, seductive strip tease. Like I put in my arms up high. <laughs> it was very awkward. And I realized, like, oh, I'm wearing boxers. I guess that's wrong. Um, but anyway, so I get naked. Oh, and the whole time like he's watching, just sort of like smiling. And every so often he's like like licking his lips or like smacking his lips, but like his mouth is very dry. So I just hear that kind of like, Uh, a really gross sound. So finally, I'm naked, and he and he just looks at me and goes, "Lay down on the bed. I want to lick your butt." I was like, "Well, it's your money." (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I lie face down on the bed, and he starts licking my butt, and it really—it just felt like someone was just like smearing cold glue on my butt. Just sort of lying there in the sense of like, what have I done with my life? This is horrible. And uh, as it's going on, and like, as he's licking my butt, uh, then after a little bit I feel someone something licking my head. And I sort of like, like, jolt, like, what what's that? And I like, his cat has come. To head. And it's like getting in on the edge. So it's licking time. Um, so, so because I sort of like joled for a second, he like notices something and He sees the cat, and he immediately just goes like, "Oh, Charlotte! She's a fat kitty. She's no. She's not supposed to be in here." And literally, like the whole in an instant, the night went from being like a weird David Lynch movie and just became a Benny Hill sketch. He was just he just starts running, or like the cat like runs away. And he's like chasing after, and he's like, "Charlotte! She's a fat kitty. She knows she's not supposed to come out of companies around." I'm just like have my hands over my mouth the whole time. All I can hear is that. the cat, and he goes and like throws it into the bathroom, and he closes the door, and uh, he comes back, and, uh, and then his phone rings, and he looks at it, and he looks at the caller ID, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this. This is my son. Uh, please don't go anywhere. And I was like, all <laughs> right. Um, so he gets on the phone with his son, um, and he's, he was on the phone for a real life. He, he ended up being on the phone for 45 minutes. He would come in every so often and be like, please don't
1: and I was like, no problem.
2: So I like put on my underwear again and I'm lying on the bed and uh, he had a, a biography of Brett Garbo on his nightstand. So I just started reading that. It's uh, <laughs> a fascinating creature. Um, when, like the CD ended, I pressed play again. And uh, so finally he came back into the room and he was like very like sad and depressed. And uh, he just sat down at the end of the bed and I said, is everything okay? He said, no. And then he didn't elaborate and I didn't press it. And uh, then he said, I'm really sorry, I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to have sex with you tonight. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> um, he said, "He did say so. if you want, I, I, could, I could fuck you with a dildo. And I was like, it's gonna be all right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, and, and then he said, would it be all right if we just lay here and cuddle for a little bit? And I was like, sure, it's fine with me. So I just sort of like laid on on my back and he just sort of like came here and just sort of like put his head on my shoulder and just sort of like was holding me and like stroking my chest there. And he was like, you have such beautiful red hair. And I was like, thank you. Um, (laughs) And it was really like he wasn't, uh, I mean, it was weird and creepy, obviously, but like it wasn't like he wasn't like being gross. Like he was sort of, uh, lying there, it sort of felt like like he was like a vampire somehow, just sort of like sucking my energy or my redheader I don't know what it was, but he was just sort of like, he wasn't like being painful or like gripping, but um, uh, it was weird. Um, and so it was around 9 o'clock, and I was like, uh, I'm sorry, I have to get going right now. He's like, okay, no problem. And, you know, we're getting ready and very sweet. And uh, he gave me money for cab fare home. And... Uh, uh, he said, "You look just like Van Johnson. People must tell you that all the time." And I was like, "Only very old people." Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you. And that was it. And uh, as as I was on my way home, I called my friend Damien and I told him what happened. I was like, "I think I I think we met. S- I, said, I think I did it wrong. You sleep my butt and we cuddled." And he's like, "No, that sounds about right." Uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Cool." Uh, and, and he says, uh, "Is this something you'd ever want to do again?" And I was like, "You know what?" I'm going to get out while I'm ahead. No, this is good. Thank you. I don't need to do this again. Uh, He's like, all right, no problem. He goes, but I do need that credit card machine from you again. So I had to go back to the city to meet him and return that to him. So that is
0: my story, you guys. Thank you all very much. That was John Flynn. You can find John on Twitter where, among other things, he live tweets movies at JFly99. And those tweets are an absolute riot. Another fun fact about John? in a previous life he may or may not have sold pot brownies now why would i bring that up alex
2: why would you bring that up robin
0: because our next live show falls on april 20th that's right 420. Hello. hey we are back at La poisson rouge and the theme of the night is high scream stories that made you say are you high?" We'll have stories from Moth Story Slam winners Tracy Seguera and Drew Perhaska, TED NYC speaker Don Fraser, and more. Plus, the ice cream cakes may just feature fish food, the Ben & Jerry's flavor named after the band, hash brownies, and whiskey. You can get tickets and details for that on our site at yumsthewordshow.com. Plus, I am so excited. I just booked a huge guest for our show on May 23rd. So save the date for that. That show will sell out fast. And I will only announce when tickets go on sale on our mailing list. So sign up to be one of the first to find out when tickets are available. Just go to our site, yumswordshow.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and sign up under guest list. Also, if you enjoy the stories, the auntie bits, the Morgan bits, and... The Alex bits, and everything you hear on our podcast, please give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. It will help boost our ratings, which we would love, and let others know all about it. And finally, if you or your organization would like to learn how to tell your own story, check out our Storytelling Fun01 workshops. You can find info for all of that on our site at dmsthewordshow.com. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Volton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Carly Patron, Katie Riley, and of course, Auntie. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Happy Pesach! Hope you get a piece. And until next time.
1: Il <laughs> a